the day-to-day struggle is getting to a point where you are consistently sitting down to do your work. So, and even if that means for you do four hours and you were working on a file or you were writing something and it gets erased, Mm -hmm. that four hours was still not a waste because you're doing your work. Your, your brain is learning. You only learn when you create. Welcome to episode 003 of Rawness of Reality. I'm your host, Kevin Stalker, and today you have the opportunity to meet Drew Bayura. He is a vocal coach and lead producer of the Attic Group Pittsburgh. On top of that, he's extremely insightful and a great communicator. But enough from me, here's Drew. My parents aren't musical, but my grandfather played everything. Like I do, I see myself carrying his tradition. He played the fiddle, and actually my grandmother too, she passed when my Mom was young, so I never met her. So I, I was around music in church, and I would always sing in church when I was young. And I had a guitar, and I, I was like three years old, and I would just hit on the guitar, and, and mm-hmm. I would not actually, I, I couldn't actually play it, but I would perform like I, I knew how yeah. to play it. And all throughout my life in church, people would have spoken over me that I would be a musician and that I would be able to play guitar. So that was really impactful hearing that throughout my life. Every every couple of years in a church service, somebody would tell me that. I've always had that in my head, but I I took guitar lessons when I was young. I hated it. Um, I would sit on a chair and tell my mom that I was practicing and do this finger stretch. Uh, and so I would have to not play. You know, the music didn't really engage me. I didn't really get it. We were doing Mary Had a Little Lamb. And um, fast forward to when I was 15, the winter of eighth grade. Picked up a guitar that I had, and I had gotten a guitar a couple years before, and realized, started playing along to a song on the radio, and realized, oh, everything's three chords, so if I learned, the, like, the math of this, you know, I can play every, I can play a lot of songs, so it's just kind of, over that Christmas break, I really dug in and, and realized, you know, it's not that hard to get started mm-hmm. playing, it sounded good, and, and from there, obsessed ever since. That's awesome. Um, so, at, you said you started at 15. For, for real, seriously, yeah. I, I played a little bit of piano up till then, but... Is that high school? Yeah, it would, it would have been ninth, yeah, it would have been high school, uh, freshman year, going into freshman year of high school. So when you started and, and you told your friends you were getting into music, what was the reaction from your, your friend group at the time? At the time, I mean, I was a, a football player, too. I also, I did have a lot of musician friends. It was kind of a smooth transition, uh, or at least I had a friend who really liked rock guitar. He liked ACDC a lot. Oh, I love ACDC. Yeah, which is, yeah, he's great. He yeah. he loved Angus Young, and so I, mm-hmm. my friends were, you know, when I got went into high school and started having closer friends and a group of friends, you know, because we mm-hmm. all had the same classes, we, you know, it was a smooth transition into that. So it was cool. cool. Okay. Yeah. I want you to close your eyes. All right. And visual visualize yourself in a home. Okay. Nothing is in the home but three objects. You can have power to put the objects on if you need power. What are these three objects? Okay, so there's electricity. Yes. Okay. There's a table in front of me. Okay. And it's a short table, like a little tea table. Mm-hmm. And there's a blanket on it, like a placemat, and a, a vase. And the vase has a yellow flower on it. It's a sunflower. And it also has uh, pink, like the base of it is pink. And there's crystal hanging off the top of the vase. Do you have a reason why those objects? Or is that just what you saw? It's just what's there. I, I actually visualize quite a bit like this. So you, do you do this often? Yeah. So there, 
there's actually, I was telling you before we, we started, um, I just released an instrumental piano album and something that I've done for the past couple of years, I call it sound streaming. Mm-hmm. So, and it's based off a concept by a, a guy named Win Wenger. He has this idea of image streaming. So basically you close your eyes and you always have images that you're, that are floating through your, your field of awareness. You mm-hmm. close your eyes, you describe that image out loud and it basically connects the left and right hemispheres of your brain and strengthens the corpus callosum. So mm-hmm. the visual part of your brain that can comprehend quicker is only limited to what it can put into language by how strong that corpus callosum is, which you actually, anytime you're doing something with both hands, you get it strengthens it. So musicians mm-hmm. tend to have a little bit thicker corpus callosum or left-handed people have their corpus callosum is 11% thicker, which is why they're usually kind of different, yeah. <laughs> right? So art, art, arty people are kind of different. This process is basically you close your eyes, describe what you see, and then you listen back to the words used, and you try to describe in as vivid detail as possible. Mm-hmm. And so you're, and you're, it's a way to also, it's basically like dreaming when you're awake, but yeah. you know, you're getting these images, and then you can think about what they mean. But I do the same thing with music, so I'll play just off the top of my head, whatever comes out. I don't even really listen, mm-hmm. kind of just turn my brain off and play, and then listen back. And over time, your brain starts to pick through the good parts. Mm-hmm. And then when finally when you play, it just plays good things. And you can kind of lightly direct it. Like, I'll be like, oh, I want this to be happy or sad. Or I'll think about uh, an image or a poem or something. You know, like the poem that you gave me, if I listened to that poem, I would just play whatever came out, and it would be harmonious to that poem so I'm trying to get into this practice where I'm I've done that for two years but I'm now I'm starting to put them out every week because it's Mm -hmm. you know it's pretty much just play them down and bringing different people in with me this week I'm doing one that will have flute and feature my friend Roger Mm -hmm. uh Roger Romero on the sax or the flute Mm -hmm. he'll be playing didn't he just have a live performance uh yeah he he played it so far Pittsburgh and I think you can see that on his page it's at Feral Cat. You guys are in a music group together, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Attic Group. The Attic Music Group. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, How did that come to fruition? So, about two years ago, um, and it's so it's a Pittsburgh-based record label, mm-hmm. and we have lots of plans to expand. Um, and I'll give you the basic rundown. It's me, Caleb Lombardi, mm-hmm. and Roger. Uh, they've been roommates for the past couple of years. So I met Caleb. I was had a, an engagement where I was playing four nights a week, playing music, like top 40. Mm-hmm. And I was on my way out of that situation, and Caleb was on his way in. So we, okay. we met that way, and we started hanging out. And he had the space in his uh, attic where they live, and he had this vision for it to make a studio, make a, a cool jam spot, make it you know a place for a community. Yeah. And I hopped on the vision. I had some sound equipment from, you know, I've always kind of recorded music and I've been into the techno- technology aspect of it. So we set, put up a studio and we just have been for the past two years shooting videos with really good artists in Pittsburgh and just mm-hmm. having really good jams. Uh, there's a ton of talent here. And it started in an attic. Yep. So yep. that's, that's what, yeah, that's, that's the name. The so, okay. Yeah. And you're right, there are plenty of good artists here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so let me uh, let me read you our mission statement, actually. Oh, awesome. And this is the Attic Group's mission yeah, statement? Yeah, the, the Attic Music Group. Our mission statement is uniting Pittsburgh musicians to create community, shape a new industry, and showcase our talent to a global audience. Mm-hmm. So I like that, okay. And, you know, we're dealing specifically with music, but we all have friends who are artists and, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, are in other mediums as well. And it all comes, you know, I have, a, I have dancer friends and we have collaboration ideas in the works and they're starting to come to fruition. And mm-hmm. we're seeing the city wanting to really support 
that because in order to be an artist, you do have to be able to maintain a certain lifestyle to have the time to, to practice your craft. You're right. Um, and you need to be able to start making money at your craft. So the city wanting to provide support to that industry and not really knowing how to do it as well. And they so they did the, the Pittsburgh Music Ecosystem Project. I'm not sure if you heard of that. It's um, If you Google it, you'll be able to find it. There's also a good cheat sheet website for it. But they basically, they had somebody come in from Austin and do the study and, and give an analysis, and, and there's a lengthy write-up about it. So mm-hmm. we've taken that and, and seeing that, you know, what we've been creating and with a lot of our friends and knowing, all you know, a lot of the best players in the city, a lot of the best artists in the city, and being friends with them, mm-hmm. you know, what can we all create if we put our mind together and also have to see the city that we're engaged behind it? you know, what, what that could be for all of us, because it just takes one person to start one link in the chain. You know, you have venue owners, you have management and you have recording studios, you have venues that have people come out from the suburbs to bring their money, support artists, pass the hat like Mm -hmm. they do in Nashville. Um, you know, what you have in these cities like LA or Nashville is that there's already a mindset that, you know, that's what you go there for. There's there's going to be live music. You have a place to play if you grind and you're good. The downside of that is that some people who who have the potential to be very good at something aren't necessarily that competitive as a, mm-hmm. you know, as a personality. So in a place like Pittsburgh, you have this perfect storm where it's low cost of living, and it, but it's still cool. And now, you know, with Google and Uber and all these companies coming yeah. here, it's, you know, the, the world's starting to notice. Yeah, so it, it's really, it's cool as an artist to be able to grind your teeth as much as you want. I mean, so what we we have here is a perfect series of elements as long as everybody finds their place, gets passionate about it, and we can create something pure together. You know, and then the money will come to support everybody. Yeah, but no, I agree. what you're making... That's not the focus. Yeah, it needs to be, what you're making needs to be good, which means you created it from passion, which means your craft is elevated. Everybody, and that's just, you know, for music specifically, that's video production, that's audio, that's songwriting, that's arrangement, that it's on par. It's, it's really, you know, top notch, like it's global success worthy. Mm-hmm. And if everybody's mind is there, you know, we've had artists come from Pittsburgh who have put Pittsburgh on the map lately, you know, obviously Mac Miller, rest in peace, and mm-hmm. with Khalifa. And you have these artists that are, drawing attention here and so if we create something awesome not just specifically musicians but everybody you know and the more that you can collaborate the better especially because we live in a visual world where everybody's on their phones Mm -hmm. and our attention is is there you know people live another life Mm -hmm. which you can say is bad or good but um at the very least i mean you can understand how it affects your brain and how you should deal with it but understanding that you can't change it and dealing with that the best that you know how is to just insert uh insert yourself into the stream of attention and be a light mm-hmm. so so you brought up uh mac miller and wiz khalifa mm-hmm. those are two big role models for musicians in pittsburgh who would you say is your biggest influence when it comes to a musician sting, sting. yeah I, I like sting a lot and i kind of just realized this recently how much i like sting uh you know obviously i love the police but i really like um, his lyric writing and his his style, and also the way that he incorporates uh, music in into pop. Um, you know, he's had very high level musicians playing all his albums, and they're just really well produced. And also, I, he kind of has this mystical 
images too that I kind of I dig. Yeah. And he, he just did a an album with Shaggy. I'm not sure if you were aware of that. I, but, I know, I'm not. Yeah, they went to Jamaica and recorded. It was really really cool. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So, like, a lot of Sting's music has been re- the the police in particular was a lot of reggae influence, and they were like punk and reggae, and so it, it was very it was pretty natural. Like Sting's yeah. voice, Sting's singing style is kind of fits in with that, you know. So, what has been your biggest obstacle facing the scene of music? So I'll speak for myself, and then I would I would get wager a bet that you know it's problems that all of us as creatives have. So. Uh, I'm not. Have you ever heard of the book The War of Art? I'm art not sure. of War? No. So not the Art of War. That's also a good book for other reasons. But okay, the no, War of Art. The so, War of Art. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm not sure who the author is. The whole big concept is that the amateur and the art and the professional are two different things, and the only thing that makes them different is that the professional sits down and does his work at all times, whether or not he's inspired or not, and is able to overcome what he calls resistance. So if you can overcome resistance, you can get into the creative flow, but that's your, your job is that you have to overcome the resistance to not want to sit down and do it for whatever reason. And that resistance can come from wherever it's usually fear. Mm-hmm. It's in fear. So the opposite is, you know, I see the difference between fear and faith. Like those are the two pools. It's, and, and faith is love because you're in the moment and you're, you're just excited to be alive and waiting to see what happens mm-hmm. and, and expecting a good outcome. And that's every day, especially because what that really, it's so individual because you need to know your habits, your patterns, um, what you're trying to achieve. You have to first, like, you know, be able to see something, see, have a vision. And once you get that vision, you know, then you can compare what, what am I doing? What I really believe, or what am I really having faith for of a vision that I saw? And in every moment, and the closer that you can get to being aligned in every moment to acting uh, well is, is what manifest the vision because you have to act and you have to do and you have to say things and you have to think about things. The day-to-day struggle is getting to a point where you are consistently sitting down to do your work. So, and even if that means for you do four hours and you were working on a file or you were writing something and it gets erased, Mm -hmm. that four hours was still not a waste because you're doing your work. Your, your brain is learning. You only learn when you create. If you're Mm -hmm. always taking in, you're not really learning because you're not completing the cycle of taking something in, mm-hmm. your brain altering it, and then putting it out. So, I mean, that's always the constant struggle. And I think in a place where you're not really sure, even if you, you do your work and you do something really good, you're not really sure if it, anybody's going to care mm-hmm. or if you'll be able you know, if it's, is it going to be worth it? You know, am I wasting my time? So that's the other side of it, right? So when you have a community of creatives that can support each other and that and keep each other accountable mm-hmm. and excited. Um, right before I came, Roger, um, as we spoke about Roger before, he is coming out with a solo album. It's mm-hmm. sax and it's, it's rock guitar and it's awesome. I play yeah. guitar on it and um, engineered and it's great. And we were sitting and bouncing out and adding certain things and we just had this moment where it was like, we made this, you know? Mm-hmm. And those moments... Power. The more that you have, the more you can power through the resistance because you're like, yeah. oh, I don't like editing these drums. I don't like doing this tedious work, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And you, you have a point to draw towards in the future because your yeah. vision is resonant with it. I, lo- I love that mindset. I really do. That's, mm-hmm. that's sweet, man. Because, because I myself, I'm confronted with that resistance day in and day out. And I think most of us are. Mm-hmm. And... If we just we just remember those moments, those powerful moments of togetherness, they can really be motivating to like come 
get over that resistance. So I really love that mindset. Thank you. Yeah. If you were to give somebody younger or older, but somebody who's trying to work on their craft advice on how to overcome that resistance, what would you say? Very simply do the simplest thing that will make you feel good. So if you're learning guitar, learn how to play one chord that's easy to play. Mm-hmm. And then learn how to play a second chord that's easy to play. And then a third. And then learn a song as soon as you possibly can. Learn a song that you can play with so you have an early success. Because success is what drives you forward. Most learning is failing. So eventually you learn that to embrace failure and to make it happen as quickly as possible. So how many times can I fail? If I can fail 100 times uh, in a week even better because that's Mm -hmm. the sooner you get, that's the only way you learn is by making a mistake and correcting it. And then your neurons fire down the right path. Every time they get myelinated and you know what to do. So that, that's it. Pick something simple and succeed. You're a very talented musician. I, uh, I looked through your Instagram. I, I've seen you play piano, cello, guitar. Uh, you even hacked a machete a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I see you pick up all these different uh, instruments. How many do you play? Um, I probably could list them. So Yeah, let's hear it. What I feel most competent to the, to the least, I'll go that way. So voice, I would say, is definitely probably my lead instrument spent a lot of time my voice was not very good when I was young and I spent years reading vocal forums and books and going to courses and seminars so Mm -hmm. and I love singing and the the power of the human voice is incredible Mm -hmm. so I would say voice and then guitar piano so that's kind of a range of things organ piano drums string instruments so I play viola violin uh, cello and oh <laughs> a little a little bit I can make sound on a trumpet and a flute. I don't know how to play any notes, but I can make a really pretty sound on them. I took cool. a summer and tried to learn how to play those two instruments, but I never learned the notes. Just I spent like twenty minutes a day just playing long tones. So uh, that's how I can learn so many different instruments is that my mind is always learning the music part of things, like mm-hmm. where does arrangement go? And then I will do very specific exercises just to keep up dexterity athletically so especially drums is is like that you lose your chops they call it your hand just can't move that fast because it's it needs to be practiced so i'll just kind of do some exercises to keep them juicy Mm -hmm. keep them flowing yeah Uh, but yeah yeah we were talking before the interview about how you have this creative flow Mm -hmm. could you talk a little bit about what that creative flow is yeah so um what it what it really is is contingent on your brain state your brain has what is called, uh, well, brain waves, EEG. Um, I might be getting the, the abbreviation wrong, but basically... We'll have how, someone fact check you later. Yeah, we'll get the fact checkers <laughs> on it. <laughs> um, but it, the neurons fire at certain rates of speed. So when they're firing at certain frequencies, and they measure this with... They actually can measure this in the brain. It's not like a woo-woo concept. It's, it's electricity. Again, these numbers might not be exact, but 15 and up is beta. Coffee will stimulate that, but that's it's awakened consciousness. So you're, and also anxiety and fear are up there. You know, when you go into flight or flight, or you're uh, lifting something heavy, it's you know beta. Uh, below that is alpha. So that's the ideal. That's the flow state. So you know, when you if you're an artist or a writer or an athlete, um, you you'd be familiar with with this flow state where it really feels like your body is kind of doing the task by itself. You're mm-hmm. not commenting. The voice that we have in our mind most of the time 
is useless. It's just, you know, the, our internal dialogue, it's called something called the default mode network, which is the idea of the self. You don't actually need it. Your body can perform without it. You can do tasks, you can read, you can learn without this internal dialogue. That state of alpha is a little bit lower towards, at the very bottom is delta, so that's deep sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this range of awareness of where of your psychological state, physiological state. So alpha is below that. That's where you learn. And uh, I actually take supplements to increase that. There's mm-hmm. something called um, L-theanine. It's found in green tea. Okay. So it, it's just I an amino acid. I drink a lot acid. of green tea, so does that mean I... Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it basically just increases alpha waves and it, it makes you focus. And so alpha state is really where the flow is. And below that is theta. So that's where you... Right before if you wake up and you kind of can remember your dream... That's theta state. So you can be in, induce these states in yourself because they're useful for different things. So if you're writing or you're playing high theta or low alpha is where you want to be because you're not, you're not, you're just taking everything in mm-hmm. and your brain is moving and hearing. You know. So so when you go into this like creative flow, mm-hmm. uh, let's say you're sad, yeah, and you go into it. <clears throat> does your music then become sad? Yeah, yeah. So you can. But you can change what state your body is in. Mm-hmm. So uh, and an easy way to do that is just through memory. So like right now, we're just chilling here talking. But if, if we close our eyes and imagine uh, a moment that we were the most excited, like or pra- maybe like the idea of like on your when you got when you graduated from mm-hmm. high school and you got your diploma and walked across and that and the feeling of accomplishment. So yeah. if we if we just remember that. So whatever that is, what is the, the moment that you've you felt the highest level of accomplishment? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have that moment? You, you don't have to. Me? Yeah, I'm asking, oh. you don't have to tell. So we'll uh, both do that. Yeah. Okay. Let's close our eyes. Okay, and just take a deep breath. So closing your eyes will already start to induce alpha waves, mm-hmm. and and then imagine that moment. Find that moment. And you don't have to say it, but just feel what it's feel your body what it's like. So mm-hmm. see what what sights you're seeing and the colors, and and then you can make them more vivid. And then we're actually on the same. You know, you can we can actually feel that that will change the tone of the conversation because we're imagining accomplishment. So if you're holding these emotions, they begin to transform your life because you're uh, able to you're, you're practicing. I, them. I can't pick one moment. So so, so pick many. pick the aggregate of them. Mm-hmm. So just they all feel the same, right? Mm-hmm, so get that. So just make the feeling stronger. Okay. Just tell yourself the feeling is twice as strong. And um, you'll feel that your body is in that state now. So I you're... keep getting drawn into the the boys and girls clubs. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's just, that's like my happy place. Honestly, that's really power. You know, yeah. and so you having those anchor memories, those mm-hmm. moments that like you're talking about the rawness of reality, those moments that transform. Having those anchor memories, um, that's something that you can do for other people at any time. Mm-hmm. You know, because. So it might just be somebody walking down the street and, and making eye contact and smiling. Yeah. And you created a moment that's just as impactful, and you're drawing from those moments that you have. You know, that was just one example. We could also pick something negative, and it would be in your body. Yeah. So it's really an acting thing, in a, in a sense. So, I mean, if I'm trying to... I do a lot of things where I'm, I'm producing for people as well, which if you're interested in, by the way, I'm always producing and love to work with people. So mm-hmm. send me a DM on, on Instagram or Facebook. But you, you basically figure out what I do when I produce for somebody else is I talk with them and we listen to music that they like, I listen to their songs, and try to embody what it is that they're 
they're trying to, to say. And I have the skills to fe- help feel that and build with them almost a character or a certain feeling or mood. And then I just, I hear it and then create it. And it's something that I was able to take their inspiration and help them mm-hmm. do it. So and all of those, you know, all those are, we don't have words for emotions or moments like that, but they're all different. You know, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. It, does, it does. And it gets me to ask a, uh, a, a question that is very strange to me, so I'm just going to say it anyway. If we lived in a society where no one could speak, like no one could speak, how, how would you operate in that society? Well, words are incredibly powerful. They have effect on the mind. But in as far as in so much as communication and certain forms of communication, like let's say I'm walking down the street and somebody pulls a gun on me. Mm-hmm. In that situation, it reverts to very primal body language interaction because it's fear. Yeah. So I don't need to... We don't need words. You know, the words are, if, if I'm in Russia and I don't understand Russian, I'm going to understand a guy pointing at me, yeah. right? It doesn't matter. But as you continue to go up, um, language kind of ascribes the structure of our, our reality. Um, so it allows you to be more and more in complex and information can get more and more complex because you're building symbols on top of symbols. And then mm-hmm. that means a particular thing to you. And then we use that word together and these words are their own kind of thought forms. I mean, in, in a sense, and we're actually seems, you know, there's a concept in linguistics and I'm probably going to butcher this because I'm obviously not a linguistics scholar, but language tends to simplify over time. Latin is less complicated than Greek and uh, Cohen Greek is less complicated than ancient Greek. And, and, and now we're at a point where <clears throat> we just talk with emojis. Exactly. Yeah, you got it, right? So those yeah. are hieroglyphics. And not even emojis, but memes, right? Mm-hmm. So gifs. And because in that one, so there's instance I can specifically remember is somebody sent me like an eye roll with a, <laughs> with, um, a shell from Full House. Yeah. So that one picture has so much meaning because it's, the entirety of Full House, yeah. which a lot of people have seen. I've seen a lot of Full House. I have too, yeah. Right? Well, We've all, and, and so we know what that eye roll means, and it's such a specific emotion, it's such a specific reaction. And that's really what art is. Like, so as artists, we're bringing this information in from almost another realm that is manifesting and creating our reality because the ideas and the thoughts that we all have and the words that we exchange create what we see. And that that's the basis of law, of course, right? And it still goes back to Latin. <laughs> but, okay, but anyway. So what does rawness of reality mean to you? Rawness of reality. So raw is, uh, to me, connotates no filter. And it's, I feel it kinesthetically. So I think it's being sensitive to every moment. Because when something's raw, when you, when you do squats or when you scrape your knee and the skin is raw, you can feel it. And you're, you're sensitive. So you, that sensitivity to every moment that you're basically creating your, your, your reality with through your perceptions and what you're choosing to focus on. Dude, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything you want to tell our listeners about you, the Attic Group, or anything upcoming in your life? Yeah, I, I just want to say definitely check out what we're doing with the Attic. Caleb and I, he's the, the CEO of the company, and he, he's also a producer, and, and Roger, along with Roger, we're working on formulating a lot of the concepts and, and ideas that I've been talking about, formulating it and, and putting it in written form. And also, you know, we just presented at 
Point Park's uh, entertainment management program, mm-hmm. and a lot of students that were really excited, and they're the ones that can create that with us. So we're just trying to get as many people that buy the into the vision. And you know, speaking with you, I'm mm-hmm. excited to see how we can collaborate because yeah. I mean, there's really that's a thing. I mean, you know, public speakers and and personalities and people that can have a conversation with you know that's very important. So all of these things uh, coming together, that's what we that's our heart for the city, and we have some pretty exciting projects coming out. So mm-hmm. we're also making music and be sure to follow at the Attic Music Group on mm-hmm. Instagram and on on Facebook, and we have specifically coming out soon um, Bill Waves. He's a, a local rapper. He was he was close with Mac Miller. He's in all of his his music videos and he's a very talented lyricist and he has a really powerful story so that's our next discovery video so stay tuned for that and are you guys on youtube yeah we'll be we're on youtube and you can go to our website you'll be able to see all the videos there uh the attic music okay and you will be able to sign up for the the mailing list as well and, and stay in touch that way yeah so that's really all i have for you thanks for coming talking with me i really enjoyed the conversation so yeah Great. That's a wrap. Whoa! Not a wrap yet. I hope you enjoyed listening to Drew Byler. You continue to support our podcast by subscribing and sharing on all social media platforms. Our episodes can only improve from here. And a big thank you to Mike Campus, Production Manager, and Joe Cal on The Beats. And remember, stay raw with reality.